Hi, this is Tony Tolado, and this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Virtual reality helps us explore inner and outer space. You can be shrunk to the size of a plankton, or you can also tour the Amazon rainforest, go out into deep space, and even be on a Doctor Who adventure. In 2019, I had the privilege of attending a VR kind of lab at the Tribeca Festival. And here are my interviews from that period. VR is something that is going to be shaped in our lifetime as another form of entertainment. That's what I believe. I'll have that in just a moment. Virtual reality in so many ways, it's still in its infancy. We have yet to see what the power of VR is going to be going forward. This year at the Tribeca Festival Hub, I attended a press day. And the key word here is immersive. I was aboard the TARDIS, discovered a personal journey in the Amazon, visited surreal yet a creepy gym, and got shrunk down to the size of plankton, all in VR. That's just some of the many ways that VR can entertain, whether it's practical, imaginary, or even going on an adventure. VR's future is unlimited. Let's start off with Doctor Who Runaway, a straight-up adventure story with Jodie Whittaker voicing the Doctor. I spoke to Matthew Rogers, who's the digital producer of the Doctor Who team. How did this come together? Kind of talk about how this was, uh, that you wanted to do VR with Doctor Who and Jodie. So we had the idea, we worked with BBC VR Hub, so they've been doing a lot of work in the world of VR, different projects for different brands. And it was just a great match to kind of come together and work with us with Doctor Who. Because obviously we like new forms of storytelling with Doctor Who. We always want to push the boundaries with technology and kind of reach new audiences and deliver new ways of telling stories with the, the Doctor to our large fan base. What's interesting is you kind of break that wall. Yeah. Like on television, obviously there's a wall. You, you can't interact. But in this, you're totally involved with the Doctor. Exactly. You know, all <laughs> Doctor Who fans want to meet the Doctor and they want to be on the TARDIS with her. So with Doctor Who, the runaway, it's the perfect opportunity to give fans that opportunity and get up front, meet, you know, meet the hero and go on an adventure with her. And, you know, there's no better way to do that than in virtual reality. Great that Jody was involved. That adds a lot to it. Yeah. Did she do the motion capture too? Do you know? So no, we had a motion capture actress specifically to do the shoot over a couple of days, um, but she studied Jody's performance, and then Jody we brought in specifically to do, do obviously the voice performance, and we did all the motion capture of her face and kind of merged those two performances. Yeah, it's just obviously down to filming time limits with with the, the main show production. Um, we had to use a specific actress for motion capture and it's quite a, a specific skill I think as well working with VR and working closely with our director Matthias Chilborg. And you're on the TARDIS so I guess you just use the designs from the television show. Yes, so we rebuilt the TARDIS in VR so we scanned it completely and then um, matched it exactly as it is in the show obviously our VR is like a painted animated version so we put a kind of simplified effect on it I suppose and then we rebuilt that, we rebuilt the set for a motion capture studio set so we had a console 
and then the actor got to act around that set with all the sensors on her and brought it all to life. That is pretty amazing. As far as some of the effects, like the, like the, the creature that we meet, I'll just say well, I'm not going to give away what he yeah. is or anything, but. Um, that was all designed just for this, right? Yeah, so that's a brand new alien, specifically for this story. Um, an alien you'll just meet in virtual reality. And so our writer, Victoria Azra Archer, came up with, with this concept and this story. And yeah, it's just a really cool little creature that you get to meet within this um, VR world. Where can people actually experience it? Because it is an experience. Yeah, and you're part definitely. of the story, totally. Yeah, so you can experience this. So it'll be um, available coming soon. We don't know the exact date yet, but we'll be announcing details soon. It'll be available on Oculus Rift, HTC Vive, and then also looking at doing versions for Oculus Go, the Gear VR, um, plus a YouTube version. But details on kind of release dates will be coming out soon. Mm-hmm. And... Will uh, will there be any updates or anything available too on it? Um, we're not sure at this stage. We're just yeah. focused obviously on this build for now, and then this will go out and see how it goes really. But it's great to have people here like yourself, you know, playing it today and get reactions. And what did you think? I thought it was fabulous. I mean, you know, yeah. she's interacting with you and. My favorite part is I get to hold the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, that's good. And that's yeah. what I think people will really get a kick out. Yeah. Being in the TARDIS and participating, holding the sonic screwdriver. Yeah. The doctor talking directly to you. Yeah. I mean, that's... And it's Jody too. I, you can't fake that. It's a great performance. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's, uh, she's she amazing. is terrific. Oh, yeah. She's, she's great. I literally, I, I literally, I was on vacation, I literally shouted in the car, scared my wife when I heard she got cast. Yeah. But yeah. it was like, about time. Yeah, she's you brilliant. Oh. And yeah, she's great in this. So yeah, having that performance from her. Oh, yeah. And spending that time with her for this, you know, 13-minute adventure, it's just amazing. It feels longer, but it was yeah. just a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Did you like the, um, the, the fly-in section? Oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah, I got... If it was a video game, I would have died a thousand deaths, yeah. but it's hard to navigate. But, you know, for gamers especially, that will appeal to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, what we wanted to achieve with this was we didn't want to make it, you know, a full-on interactive game. It's more about a narrative kind of adventure. So, you, want, you know, we wanted to feel like you're part of a Doctor Who story, a mini-story, rather than having to stop the experience and then complete this puzzle before you can go on it's all about getting caught up in the narrative and going on this journey with the doctor oh you are definitely part of the story you yeah. very play a critical part so yeah. it's it's a blast and i you know i highly recommend it yeah. runaway is great and uh, again having jody just adds a lot of clout to it yeah as a, for doctor who fans like myself it's yeah. awesome and oh, uh, it's she's talking to you and you know, as the 10-year-old fanboy inside of me was jumping up and down. So yeah, that's, that's pretty a, cool. Yeah, you kind of get to be her kind of the companion and friend and yeah. go along for the ride. Then I chatted with the VR Project's director, Matthias Chelleborg. Hey, it's great. I know that France was involved with this, and uh, I think that's awesome, you know, inner country, and that's fantastic. And it's an awesome experience, and... It, I think what I really liked about it is the interactivity with the doctor. 
So you direct you directed the the, uh, the motion capture parts as well. Sure, absolutely. I think uh, at the core of that experience was how interactive can we be to make that dream happen, the dream of sharing a journey with the doctor. Yes. That's what you expect from VR, right? Oh, yeah. We, we wanted it to feel like a very special episode coming out of the, of the magical world. So the idea was to record a performance, a mocap performance, very high fidelity, and then add a layer of interaction on top of it so that the viewers are like, the doctor is following your eyes. Uh, so it was tricky. That balance gets very technical when you sure. want to record the thing and still have a linear experience, but make the viewer feel that grounded in the space and they, they matter, the decision matter. So it was, it's just action-based interaction, narrative-based interaction that puts you in the mess without affecting the flow of the story. It's not posing, it's not a video game. It's a fully interactive narration. And that's why, it, that's why it gets excited. So you had a uh, an actress doing the motion capture. Yeah. Did she recite all the lines, or was Jody's playback available, or how did that work? No, so we had a great motion capture actress that I've been working with on different projects. She's been working in video gaming. Her name is Maria McClurk. And she pulled out this great performance because this is just a long one take. And wow. uh, yeah, yeah. There's no cuts. All the dialogue. <laughs> it's physical and it's dialogue heavy, so it's a tricky performance. We approach it as a theater performance, just one take, and uh, and then we like Jody dubbed it in London, and she was great because she needed to be so precise. Yeah. So we need to analyze how Jody is playing. So it's like a two girl work, <laughs> where it's like meeting the two style. And it was kind of an interesting process. Now, were you involved with, uh, I guess, there's some kind of editing process too, sure. right? So sure. What was that like to kind of marry her voice, the motions, and then all the CGI stuff? Or, the, or, or virtual reality? That's funny, yeah, it's digital anyway. Yeah, yeah, but that's definitely the trickiest part is how can you keep editing and doing framing and doing proper timing and pacing while the viewer is free to move around? And while it's a long shot inside the same space, yeah. so a lot of the editing is happening, uh, I think, on the writing process somehow. It's, we, we need to be very energetic. We need to, because that's something that happens a lot in VR. Sometimes you think you need to respect the viewer, you think you need to slow down the rhythm, but we decided to go all the way on the other direction. Fast-paced, action, you're in the mess, even if you don't understand what's happening, and that feels very Doctor Who somehow. That's Doctor Who. <laughs> right. um, so that, another thing too is you're in the TARDIS, so you've got to be able, people will look around as I did, and you see all around you, so all of that has to be designed too. Yeah, that's always tricky for VR because you're not designing for one point no. of view, you need to design the whole thing. So it's very demanding, it's way more demanding than any traditional medium. And we need it to be true to the design of the TARDIS, yet stylize it in a way because it's animation. Yeah. So how much stylization would the fans allow us to do? And how much of an illustrative piece can we do? So we did a great work with Fashion Picture of like redesigning that work so that it feels like a painted texture. It's almost like an illustration that is moving around in volume. And that's, that's what I was excited about in style. So the look of the doctor, uh, was there various sketches that were done first? before you settled on a final look? Definitely, it was a full CG animation, traditional process of design, planning, concept art, figuring out the proper level of stylization we allow the BBC to do and, and what we agree with. And then it was about uh, making it happen. Yeah, wow. So how long did the whole process take? I think we started around in June last year. Wow. Writing process was heavy because we wanted the BBC Doctor Who writing team to be yes. involved. 
And so it's not like a full... Uh, so that's why it feels so much like The Doctor, because every line of dialogue is written by the same people who are writing the episodes. And so it was a, a crazy process of trying to inject a layer of interactivity and uh, a layer of VR and immersive medium in this writing process. So the writing process was two or three months. And then, uh, yeah, design and interactivity was a couple of months. So overall, it's almost a one-year project, I think. Wow. There's more of my look at virtual reality at the Tribeca Film Festival in just a moment. Back on Sci-Fi Talk. Ayuska blends the mystical and your own personal journey from the Amazon. Producer Marion Guth guided me on the journey. So tell us about it. Ayuska is a 13 minutes VR film that we are premiering here. And um, when we started the project, and what's important for Yan is that Let's put it this way, we are all running, having stressful lives and uh, what we wanted to offer and what Ian, the director, wanted to offer with uh, Ayahuasca is like a mindful parenthesis and to invite you on a journey to meet with your inner self. Because today with VR we have a lot of possibilities, we can travel in real world or very uh, onirical, uh, even surreal world. And uh, what was important for Yann is not to take you on a journey to a mountain or to the ocean, but one of the most difficult ones to, to meet with yourself and to take time for yourself. So kind of a self-improvement kind of thing. Kinda, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's based on, um, on his, his shamanic practice of uh, ayahuasca, which is a healing plant from the Shipibo community. They are from uh, Peru, from the Amazonian region, and they are curating themselves with uh, ayahuasca for hundreds and thousands of years now. You said it took two years to put this all together? Yes, right. Two years, so it's a co-production between France and Luxembourg. Uh, for France, it's Atlas V, uh, led by Antoine Carroll. And uh, for Luxembourg, it's me. The name, company name is Avan, and, uh, and we've been working with in co-production from, from the very beginning. And uh, it's, very, it's a very personal piece for Yann, because this practice he's been having for 20 years is a really holistic practice. He also meditates. And in all of his other films, he's a classic cinema feature film director. Right, right. And uh, in all of his other films, you can feel how Ayahuasca exists, how this stillness exists in, in, in different characters when they are, you know, on those films when the character, most of them go on a journey in fiction films, and they have this crucial moment where they have to take the decision and to know themselves better. You can feel the, the shamanic practice when you know Jan and you know his work. The director that she talks about is Jan Conan. On an even more surreal side is Gymnasia. It takes the viewer, you're really more than a viewer, you're immersed in an experience in a gym that has probably seen better days. I spoke to Patrick Watson, who composed the music and created the sounds, co-director Masiek Serbowski, and also producer Paul Raphael. First of all, the idea, where did, it, where did it come from? We started with the, uh, let's say, the notion of exploring memory and childhood uh, and uh, these sort of these shared spaces, like a gymnasium, and how our memories actually erode over time and uh, what it would be like to kind of revisit those memories in a, like a, in a dream. And as you said, what you called it a surreal experience. I yeah. think that, that, we, that was very much, we were uh, interested in using VR as a as a medium uh, you know in the old days Melies uh, yes. and Bunuel pu yes. pushed film in, uh, at one point and we thought that this is a similar chance let's use this new medium to enter the world of dreams 
Okay. The different sequences that happened, did you all have an idea going in or just kind of mapped them out before you started doing the animation? Uh, we can answer this from a couple angles. I mean, for us, it was... Um, we gave ourselves a short education in, uh, in site-specific theater and the, the kind of the, 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 what makes that work and how one responsibly conducts that. And the wisdom, as it uh, seems to be in that medium, is that when you find, when you choose your space in which you're going to uh, show your piece, that space is actually, should be considered your main character. And since you, you what you chose it for should be its natural qualities and what it actually has to say, the, the, the information it gives off. So as a, as a writer or director, uh, coming into that space, this site-specific theater space, you must be very careful not to have the full dialogue in you. You're coming in there with half of the dialogue so as not to drown out the space and let it speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And so I think we, we try to honor that, that principle. We, we, we knew that if we do not, we're, we're doing it at our own risk. Right, right. And so we curated this, we, we, had to, we built that space. It was, a, it was a space that kind of just manifested out of our, out of our heads from our collective childhood memories. And then we, on, we did that thing of being in the space and listening. And the space had suggestions. I mean, I know that sounds overly <laughs> poetic, but the, 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 the space actually at that point gives you indications as to what it wants to happen and what it will not have, what yeah. it will not tolerate in here. I'm not here for that, the space may say. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of, you sublimate yourself to a certain degree, and when the space says these balls start bouncing, you say, you're right, space, yeah. and then you, you obey. You know, you have to then manifest. Part of your job is not to impose, but to also manifest what it wants. Yeah, you know, and so it, in a way, it keeps that that keeps the process sort of mysterious and and truly sublime and surreal because you you know you're working honestly but not with any intention. Right, right. You know. So musically, I, did you see it first, or did you write before anything was animated? Uh, cross. It's a cross between the two because you're ultra sensitive to sound since your spatialization as a person is all by sound. So in fact, the sound design was before the music, and the music was kind of like a little thing on top. Because if the VR of a specialization isn't right, your brain just knows it's a trick. So in fact, it's probably the most finicky thing about VR, and if you don't get it right, you just feel like you're watching some hokey-pokey kind of thing. So also the, also the timing of VR, since people aren't totally used to it yet, giving time for people to adapt to the space. So part of the timing of the script would be done sound first, before music or visuals. So we would get just the right flow and let your brain have time to like accept the space. So there's a lot of sound work actually doing the timing. Oh my God, look at there. Have you seen him? Yes, yes, in the, in the movie, in the VR, but not in person. <laughs> That's really wild. Well, I you know that in the, the film is a miniature, yes? Really, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, you were this big. Wow. You, you were the size of our puppets. That's amazing. That was, the gymnasium itself is about this The high. room is this big. Wow. Everything is tiny, and we actually built a, a virtual version of our virtual reality camera to make it tiny so that the viewer would be shrunk down to the scale of the world. <laughs> or so you can think about it. the eyes are this yeah. far apart, that's what you were looking out of. Ah, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Um, I like that you you start off on the gym floor, yeah. and then you end up on you know, towards another location. I don't want to give it away, but 
it, it's and you're kind of transported there, uh, almost teleported. Yeah, teleported. I, well, there's I, no way to edit. No, no, right? Of because not. like this, it's a it's an experience like this one, and you, yeah. we do not have the chance to blink and be back home. No, that's right. We, you don't. have to suffer every step. That's right. right? That's right. Uh, and so we act there. Actually, the only way you could materialize at home right now is if you teleported. Yeah, yeah. We realized that that was the only way to move. And we're not there yet, obviously. No, but. Yes, in dreams we are. Yeah, in, in dreams, dreams we are. In dreams we you can, can be at anything. the bottom of the mountain, and then the next thing you know, you're on its top. I, you did not have to suffer every step, I, right? I fly all the time in my dreams, I'll tell you. The transitions were really cool, too, going from one one event to another. Sort of. the, the discussions we really had with uh, Felix and Paul, especially, with, with their experience in transitions, that was probably the biggest... That's probably the, long, most, the longest conversations we had, right? Editing in VR, it, it, it's like the notion of editing is, is a cinematic concept. And right. VR is so immersive that we tend to try to hide the editing as much as possible. Sure. And in this case, we use actually quite a few elements to create almost misdirection to hide the cuts and tra turn them into an actual transportation. So the, the moth kind of yeah. draws you to the, the dreamer's head yes. that's underneath you, yes. and you're looking down, and then when you look up, you're somewhere else. So we're yeah. using misdirection, we're using a very subtle interactive uh, programming to do this. <laughs> ocean conservation is front and center in dropping the ocean. Here you're shrunk down to the size of plankton to experience sea life and also, more importantly, man's pollutions of the oceans. Adam Kay is one of the creators. So how did the story kind of come about? Well, I guess as soon as we sort of made a decision on the subject matter, uh, ocean health has been really close to our hearts. Uh, my business partner, Chris, his father has been photographing plankton life and, and marine life, uh, microphotography, for the last sort of 50 years. There's one three technical Oscars doing it. So we had this amazing archive of 50 years worth of marine photography we were always sort of looking for a way to express that in VR. So that was, I guess, one of the elements that we had coming in. But the, the core thing, when, when we thought about ocean plastic, was about collective activity. And that sort of chimed in with the other side of things that we were sort of exploring, which was about how do we create shared experiences in VR. I think for a lot of people, they can be quite an isolated insular experience. So we want to yep. make this something where people come together, they can be friends, they can be strangers, mm -hmm. uh, and they can ex uh, experience something unique together, and they, they come away with that sort of shared experience. And it sort of ties in quite nicely with this idea of collective action toward conservation. Talking about the animation, it was spectacular. Yeah, so again, leaning on 50 years, the world's largest uh, photographic archive of micro sea life, but <laughs> planktonic life, it's a very eclectic subject. We, we sort of, I guess, created a combination of using real, it's all built in Unity, so it's a, in a game engine, but we used some real life photography as stereo plates. We then took, um, using these these uh, real photo assets, we built 3D models as well for the foreground objects. So our history, or our, our company background is very much in the film side, the natural history film side. So we want, that's what we want to bring to this space, mm. trying to find a way that we can make it as photorealistic as possible. And getting the Cousteaus to be the voice of the project. Yeah, exactly. So again, we're trying to find the right pe uh, person to sort of give voice to the experience. And one of the great things that Philippe and Ashland have been doing with their charity Earth Echo is about how they can engage new audiences, younger audiences, using interesting different types of technology and different types of initiatives. So when we just started discussing what we were trying to do, it chimed in really nicely with what they're doing oh, with, yeah. their, with their side, and it just felt like a natural uh, pairing. Talk about the impact of VR doing something we normally can't do, at least not yet. 
yeah. shrinking you down exactly. to a size to give you a perspective you would never have. Well, that's that's the power of the medium. You know, we've, from the, the natural history films that we've made, it's very observational. We're, we, we try as much as we can to put people in the, the footsteps of, 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 of uh, either subjects or environments they understand. But we can't. We can never do anything sort of metaphysical. We can't actually change their scale and put them in environments that they can never humanly get into. And VR gives us that opportunity. So once we started thinking about plankton, we realize that people don't really understand a lot about it. They don't understand its impact on our oxygen and the, on, the, on the fact that two out of every three breaths that we take is uh, as a result of, of plankton carbon capture and all these amazing kind of weird alien world things that we started to discover. So that it felt like, well, the only way to really express that was to change our scale, reduce you to a one-to-one -one size, and then see how that would affect your understanding and perspective when you came to the surface and saw human impact from a totally different way. Yeah, it was amazing, really, to experience that. Now, there was one plankton that actually attached itself. Yeah, so that's the, that's the nucleus. Again, yeah. having been able to work with Peter Parks uh, and having this amazing uh, oracle of knowledge, when we started to sort of explore, well, we, we, want, these, we want audiences to ex uh, meet these, these creatures. They might not even believe they exist in real life. And he was very quick to say the nucleus is one. And that's sort of, it's a cone barnacle. Uh, it attaches itself to hosts during its, its larvae period. And yeah. we, we decided, I guess, in amongst the heavy themes and the subjects that we're dealing with, we also want to add elements of fun. So there's like two or three moments that are pure VR moments that are very, almost impossible to, to create in any other medium. Oh, yeah. uh, it randomly chooses one of the four people you, in your group okay. to attach to. So next time you do it, it might not be you, it might be somebody else. Oh, okay. And then likewise, at one sequence, there's a juvenile uh, leatherback turtle that will yes. spend more attention to one, one member than the other. So we sort of hope that that is a moment of comedy as well. And that's sort of, I guess, that juxtaposition of some really serious issues that we need to, need to sort of tackle uh, mixed in with with some uh, lighter moments that allow you to feel like you're part of the experience. I think what really appeals to me is you experience the ocean in a way you never would before. Yeah. You don't have to worry about breathing or anything like no, that. No, I mean, you're just there. Exactly. We, 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 we were quite cheeky in the voiceover. There's a lot of talk about breathing, and because of the oxygen element of plankton, we sort of wanted to create this weird mismatch where people, as we watch people go through, we realize they're, they're breathing in, they're breathing out, almost like hypnosis. Yeah. And as, as you're doing that, you're sort of, we, we sort of, uh, in an artistic way, you want to make you sort of feel like the ocean filling your lungs. You're becoming part of the ocean. You're no longer an observer. You're both, you know, as a human, we're part of the problem, and then as as part of the ocean, you're part of the impact. And then those sort of two emotions, as people come off the experience, we, went, we then want to open up a conversation. And our our dream for the project is to have uh, several sites throughout the world, so we can start an international conversation and champion uh, positive things that are that are taking place in the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere, and just create this sort of network of information backwards and forwards. That it does cover what, what 80% of our planet or 70%. So we destroy that and we might as well write our own ticket there. The thing about plastics is it's an achievable thing that we can deal with. You know, yeah. there's some studies where they're saying if we all, if, if we were to take action at the scale of which has been proposed, this is a three to five year thing. Like surface plastic is a recent problem. It's, it's spiked sort of mid 90s. It's not this non historical thing and it is something we can tackle. So we, there are larger stories we want to tell about the oceans, there are bigger, sort of more intangible climate stories that we want to discuss, but we felt as a way to get in, and because the problem can seem insurmountable, let's deal with plastics as something that we can physically see, it's really responsible, yeah. we're doing something physically every day, how do we address that, how do we do it in our, in our life, I mean obviously this sort of takes place in an undisclosed area of the Pacific, but this, the themes and the stories we want to tell should resonate with people in suburban environments as well. That was a wonderful experience, I'm really glad I did it.
Once again, the Tribeca Film Festival embraces this new medium of storytelling as where we can explore ourselves, our environments, and have an adventure or two. This is Tony Tolado.